All right, so today I'm here with my glamour, my beautiful wife, the, the one that has, that has added so much value to my life, Pastor Jennifer Tosin Komolapi. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I agree to church. Say hello to them. Hello. Ah, that's all. <laughs> all right. Praise it's good God. to have every one of you in the house this morning. Come on, celebrate yourself. Celebrate yourself. Celebrate yourself. Thank you for joining us in this wonderful Sunday experience. As we dish into the main business, please kindly pick up your, your notepad, your phones, and begin to jot. Thank you. Thank you very much. All right, praise God. So today, we're going to be talking about what we titled, Love Is and Love Does Not. Love Is and Love Does Not. You know, when we, when we finish watching a movie or a novel centered around two people who want to find happiness, right? We see them go through the struggles, the hurdle, and at the end of the movie, what did they say? And they lived happily ever after. after. And we assume that once we find our soulmate, once we find the one that tingles and lingers our heart, everything will just turn out right. But when you begin to grow up, when you begin to grow up, you realize that that's a fantasy. That's a fairy tale. Let's turn our Bibles to 1 Corinthians 13 verse 11. Look at what Paul said. Paul said that when I was a child, I taught as a child. He said, I talked as a child. Can I have it on the screen? He said, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I taught like a child. I reasoned like a child. He says, when I became a man, I put the ways of childhood behind me. Have you seen that men grow up to become adults, but when it comes to relationships, they are so dumb. Mm. They still act like children. You can see a man can trade his bicycle for a car, but they just think that when it comes to relationship, all he needs is a charm. That's all he thinks. All he needs is just say nice words to the lady and get her, and that's all. And then they change women like they change their shoes or their clothes, like commodities. That's what happens in the lives of men today. And ladies, too, accept the same treatment from men over and over and over and over again. Why? Because we are still reasoning like children. Mm. So Paul said, when I was a child, I talked about love like a child would talk about love. I taught like a child thinks about love when I was a child. He says, I also fantasize. You know, some of you have fantasy. Especially you ladies, for instance, you watch all this Cinderella all these nice movies, and then you fantasize, or you read all these love novels, and you fantasize about that man. And when he comes to you, he speaks to you, you'll just be flying. Those are fantasies. Fantasy is not real life. When you come to real life, it doesn't work that way. People don't, most of the time, people don't live happily ever after. It has to be happily ever before. But that's not this talk. Praise God. I'm doing the introduction before we start. So, it is important that if we are going to grow up, if we are going to love like the scripture has told us, then we need to put away childish things. Tell your neighbor, put away childish thinking about love. Away childish thinking about love. Tell them again. Tell somebody else, put away childish thinking about love. Put away childish thinking about love. So, if we're, so we have to put away childish talk about love. We have to put away all of these things that are not consistent with maturity when it comes to love. 
Because if we still have this mentality of, I just give a charm, I just talk nice words, I just do all of these things. If that's the mentality about love, it's not going to work. It's not going to last. You see, I told you on Tuesday, I said, love starts when the feeling ends. Love is not a feeling. Because when you get married, those feelings may disappear. So, you know, have you ever said, like, I fell out of love? How you fall out of love? Because it was only based on feelings. So, what we're going to discuss today is not feelings, it's not emotion. We're going to discuss serious business today. Can you shout amen? Amen. What do you want to add to that? All right. So, um, like we started um, the series, Relationships and uh, Marriage, um, we had heard a lot. And today, like our pastor, our lead pastor said, um, we'll be talking a lot about um, love is. Okay. So, you know, just like he mentioned about the fairy tale things we hear on social media, we watch movies and, you know, etc. Right? Now, if you come to think about it, love actually starts before, even after, just like he mentioned. It's not happily after. Reasons being that if you look at the book of John 3.16, where um, the Bible said, For God so loved the world, and he gave his only begotten son, whosoever believes in him, have what? Internal life. Now there's a striking word there. God so loved the world and he gave. There was a sacrificial giving. Even in the sacrificial giving, he gave the only thing he had, which, which is what? His son, Jesus, just to redeem us from what we inherited from our forefather, Adam. Right? So now why Jesus came to fulfill all this? At a point, he get to a point where he felt the cost should pass him what? Over. But did the cost pass him over? No. Because it was the will of his father, he had to go through the course in order to bring redemption for us. Right? So that is salvation. That is love. So what am I trying to say? My point is this. When it comes to love, don't freak out easily when things are not working in your relationships and marriages. Learn to hang in there because there's something cooking for you. Like he said, love begins when love has ended. So love is a verb. And if love is a verb, love is an action word. It means you need to act it. Not just speaking, there must be an action. Thank you. Wonderful. So now, let's, let's talk about the, the art of love. Are you ready for that? Let's master the art of love. First Corinthians chapter 13 from verse 4. First Corinthians 13 from verse 4. I will read from the NIV version. First Corinthians 13 from verse 4. Can we read together on the screen? Are you ready now? Let's go together. One to go. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy, love does not boast, it is not proud, it does not honor others, it, it does not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Continue. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoice with the truth. Uh -huh. It always protects, uh -huh. always trusts, uh -huh. always hopes, uh -huh. always preserves. Then only read the first three words there. One to go. Love never fails. All right. Now, this is your to become list. Go back to verse four. This is your to become list. If you're not yet married, this is your to become list. Very, very important. You know, 
some of us, childish thinking about love is, once I, once I meet somebody that is crazily in love with me, and I'm crazily in love with the person, then everything will just turn out right. That is childish love. That's childish thinking about love. It doesn't work that way. Mm. Are you seeing that? Okay, now, you may look at this now and say, ah, pastor, I'm not sure I can ever be all of this. How many of you are saying that in your heart as you read these things? Oh, so are you all of this? Talk to me. Okay, now, question is, if you look at this list we just read, right? If we're, if we're to cycle out certain things in this scripture, what are the things that you want your future partner to have? What are the qualities that you want in this scripture we just read? What are some of the qualities you want in your future spouse? Huh? Some of you want your, part, your partner to be patient, right? You want them to be kind. You want them to not envy, right? You want them to not be proud. Okay, let's go. You want them to be boasting. Let's go down. Let's go down. Verse 5. You don't want them to dishonor you. Is that correct? You don't, you don't want them to always seek their own. It's always me, me, me. Come on, are we talking here this morning? You don't want your partner to be easily angered. How many of you want that? You don't want your partner to be easily angered, right? You don't want them to keep record. Imagine your partner is always telling you all the things you are doing wrong every time. Huh? You don't want them to tell you, even if you did something wrong, you don't want them to tell you that you did something wrong. Mm -hmm. Am I correct? Mm -hmm. All right, next verse. I want to show you something. You don't want them to delight in evil, but rejoice in truth. Next, verse 7. You want them to always protect you, always trust you, always hope, and always, always what? Persevere. And always what? Persevere. Yeah. Now, the question is, what are some of these qualities that you are willing to let go in your future partner, or in your husband, or in your wife? Is there any of them? Any quality you say, okay, this one is not that important. My... My partner can get angered as he wants to. Is there anyone? Now, the question is, if we, you are looking for somebody like this, have you started to become what you are looking for? The, the, the language is become, write it down, become the person, the person you are looking for is looking for. If you are not becoming these things, stop looking for somebody like this. Because at the end of the day, you may be the frustration in that relationship. Because if you find somebody with all these qualities and you cannot provide these qualities in that relationship, there's going to be a problem. Now, let me ask you a question. How many of you think that once you find the person you fall in love with or you are so much in love with, if they were impatient just because they now love you, they now become automatically patient? Is it true? Talk to me now. Is it true? It is not true. That's childish thinking about love. So now let's begin to dissect these things one by one, one by one. But before we start, is there anything you want to add, my dear? Yeah, so um, like Pastor said, um, if you look at what he's trying to say, you becoming what you are looking for. You know, many a times you always have what you are looking for. But you yourself, you are not what you are looking for. And do you know what this will do to your marriages and relationship? Now, this is a two container, right? Let me just give an example. This is a, a bottle. Can I have that bottle, please? This is a bottle, and this is a bottle, right? Now, if you look at this bottle, if both of them are filled, share the weight could, uh, it could contain the weight on this, on this um, table, right? Now, if you look at this, if this is filled and this is empty, right? This keep receiving from this. You reduce from here, pour it here, 
take it from here, pour it here, take it from here, pour it here. At the point, it comes to the same level. And if you continue to take in from here into this place, it gets to this level. And when it drops to the minimal level, this starts suffering. Then this we have with, and this will be lacking. And at the end, you empty this into this place, what will happen? There's going to be an outburst. That's what happens when you are in a relationship and you have not worked on yourself. You are looking for somebody to compliment you. Like Pastor Tosin will always say, there's nothing like half, half. You come whole and get a whole of yourself put together, okay? So now if you look at it very well, when it comes to all of these um, attributes and quality of love from the book of First Corinthians chapter 13, you can see that in, in the first place, before you start going in search of love, you should be the love itself. And once you, you carry love, love will attract you. Now, look at the story of Jesus. If Jesus was not empowered by his father to come and redeem you from, from your sins and give you salvation, freedom, how then can Jesus be the figure he is today? Think about it. So Jesus was what he came to give to us. And that is why he was able to give to us. So you cannot give what you don't have. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. All right, so now let's look at the first one, verse 4. Now write it down. Everybody say, I am becoming this. Becoming this. Come on, say it louder. Come on. Say, I am becoming this. So we said love is, love is what? Patient. Everybody say patient. Now what is patience? Patience is a decision to move at someone else's pace rather than pressure him or her to match yours. I'll say it again. Patience is the decision to move at someone else's pace rather than pressure him or her to match yours. What was happening to my mic? Patience is choosing to do less than you are capable of for the sake of keeping the in step with someone else. Patience is a pause rather than a push. Now listen very carefully. Impatience is an emotion. Mm. Patience is a decision. When it comes to love, love must get to the level where it becomes a decision, not an emotion. If your love is based on emotion, you're on dangerous ground. Because when your emotions fail, you are destroyed. This is the reason why people say things like, I fell out of love. How can you fall out of love? Because in the first place, you, 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 it was an emotion. You mm -hmm. just, and then when the person spoils your emotion, you too are spoiled. Everybody say love is a decision. And that is why, to add up to this, you know, when you fall out of love, when you say I'm out of love, it means you fell into love. So same way you fall in, you will fall out. But now love, you don't fall into love. You grow into love. See, for all the women in the house, if you don't know what bouquet means when you are getting married or you are married and you had a bouquet. Do you know what bouquet is? A flower. Do you know why you are carrying that flower? It means this institution I'm going into, I'm growing into it, regardless of what I'm saying, I will come out refined like the gold and I will nurture this flower until it grows to the expected end God has created this institution for. 
That is the reason why you hold the flower. So you don't carry out a culture, you don't even know the meaning of the culture. So the flower you are holding, it means growth. And you know what flower does? It beautifies a place, it beautifies things, it grows and brings nice fragrance to the environment, it produces oxygen to the environment. That is how you are supposed to provide oxygen, flourishment, beauty in that marriage. That's powerful. And let, me, and, and let me also add this as well. Um, when it comes to patience, patience means I'll get down. I'll move at your pace. Listen, if you want to have quality, romantic relationship with your spouse or with your future partner, you must be patient. You must develop patience. Most. Everybody say patience, Moses. Say it again. Say patience, Moses. Patience, Moses. If you don't have patience, Moses, you are going to have bass boosts. Let me use that word in your relationships. You must develop this muscle. Patience is, is you will never pressure another person to speed up in order to satisfy your own, your own self. You are ready to move at the person's pace. That is what patience is all about. And the Bible says love is patient. You see, love is a verb. Everybody say love is a verb. Love is a verb. Say it again. Say love is a verb. So if you say you love me, you've got to be patient with me. Now the question today is, do you struggle with impatience? Do you struggle with those? Are, is, and this is the reason why, even before you get into a relationship, work on these things now. Some of you, your impatience even shows up in your workplace. It shows up in the house. It shows up with people around you, your friends around you. Begin to develop these patience muscles because you will need it in marriage. You will need it in marriage. You will need it in marriage. You will need it in relationship. If you're not patient, you're going to have issues. Now let's talk about the second one. Are you ready now? Mm-hmm. Love is patient. No, the second one. Love, love is, is kind. Everybody say love is kind. Love is kind. Say it again. Say love is kind. Love is kind. Now, what is kindness? Kindness feels soft. Now, do not be distracted. Are you listening? Do not be distracted. Follow, follow us very carefully. Kindness is soft. Kindness is to leverage one strength on behalf of another. Mm. That's what kindness is. So when we are kind, we put our strength, we put our abilities, we put our resources on loan to someone who lacks them. When you are kind, you put someone else at your disposal. That's what it means. You dispose yourself for them. That's what it means to be kind. So kindness, like patience, is also a decision. Kindness is not an emotion. Kindness is a decision. Now, let me tell you something. The true, the true quality of kindness is unconditional. For instance, every, every one of us knows how to be kind. For instance, if there's something for you to get from somebody, we know how to be kind. Right? How many of you went for your first date with your spouse or your father with your girlfriend today? You were so kind to them. The first day you met them, your kindness was on another level. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, now, that one was an emotion. Your kindness needs to become a decision now. Because, let me tell you something, kindness is one of the fastest ways to kill, unkindness is the fastest way to kill any romantic relationship. And this is the reason why the scripture tells us that if you are to look for something in a man, talking to the lady, it says, look for a man who has kindness. Mm. Kindness is very key. Kindness means I will loan my strength for you. God, that's what kindness is all about. I will give you kindness in its purest form is unconditional. It does not have any personal end. When your kindness has a personal end, mm. it is not in its purest form. 
You see that? And unkindness will kill romance. Unkindness will kill romance. I'm telling you the truth. And consistent dose of unkindness eventually will destroy a relationship. And this is the reason why the scripture tells you that love is kind. So ladies and gentlemen, pay close attention to how a potential future partner respond to those that they perceive as weak around them. This is how you know somebody that is kind. Check around them. Check how they treat those that are weak among them. How do they handle them? Do they loan their strengths to them? Do they give them, uh, do they loan themselves to them? Do they dispose themselves? If they don't do those things, they are not kind. And listen, if you don't have kindness Moses, before you get married, you are going to have issues in your marriage. That's true. Like, to back it up from the book of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, verse 32. It says, Be kind to one another, tender heart, forgiving one another, as God, is, as God in Christ forgave you. You see? So, um, kindness, you know, when we talk about kindness, um, a lot of people... I'm trying to throw more light on what you say. You know, some might think that kindness is all about being nice to someone. You being kind is not just being nice to someone. In fact, forgiving, be quick to forgiving, is also one of the greatest points that you can have in your relationships and marriage. Some people have this mentality of keeping things that has happened, maybe like, let's say something happened yesterday, and today, you have resolved that yesterday, and something just sprouted up today, and then all of a sudden, you're complaining, why is this happening again? Eh? Why is this happening again? Yesterday, you do this. The other day, you did that. The other time, you did this. Now, you are keeping count of the wrong of the person. And by the time you begin to do that, see, in every relationship and marriage, whether it is a relationship or is a marriage, there is nobody that wants to take blames. Everybody wants to be on the right side. Am I right? Yeah. The moment you're being applauded, blames 247 you feel on love in the relationship right so you can see that kindness is also an act of forgiveness so if you want to be kind to your spouse or kind to your fiance or fiance one of the way to go about it is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 and there's something so much that I've come to know about myself and I practice if you offend me today I will want to sort it out with you today today if i don't sort it out with you today i'm i'm done with it i'm not going to talk about that conversation again even when you revisit the conversation you will talk and talk and talk i will not say a pain because i'm done with it why because i have wired myself in such a way that you know i won't let what people do get at me because i choose to respond to people's actions and not to react to their actions but when you are going in the wrong path i also don't forget to bring you back and scold you to constructively to putting you on the right track so that is what kindness is Do you know why i'm talking about this you know after talking about this kindness a lot of people will feel even when their spouse is doing something wrong they can't address it that's not kindness when something is going wrong, you can address it with your spouse. That's not kindness. You put it in your heart. You harbor it in your heart. 
and then sleep and wake up the next morning with it. That's not kindness. What kindness does is, if your bobo vex you, carry your phone. Hello, sweetheart. What happened now? Why this action? Why did you react this way? Well, for me, it got at me, and I wasn't pleased with it. Please, is there any way we can work on this? Give room for conversations. Bring conversations. Have conversations. Kill it there and make amendment and move forward. But when you begin to hold on to things for too long, you become unkind. And that's when unforgiveness begins to set in. And guess what? When you fail to forgive one another regardless, do you know what happens? It begins to build up. It begins to build up. One day you get freaky out of that relationship. And you say, you know what? I'm done. And guess what? When you're done with that relationship, you move to another one. You have welcomed another new challenge. You begin to study another challenge, another obstacle. So why jumping into one relationship to the other? Convert the attitude of kindness in forgiveness to bringing your relationships and marriage forward. See, even if you leave that relationship today, that relationship you're planning, of, planning to end today, today, eh? or that marriage that you're tired of, eh? when you meet that Yori Yori, that beautiful one, that Manchester, Bina, how did you call it? Tomorrow, you will get tired of it. You will move into another one. I asked a, lady, a guy who is, who, who, as in, I see the guy severally with different types of women. And I called him one day. And I know he, he, he was concerned, like, what's this woman's problem? <laughs> as in, why is she nosing into my relationship? I've seen you in the couple of, you know, one month, I've seen you with three girls. Two already baby mamas. Mm -mm. And I called him and I told him, if you don't stop this, I'm going to invite family welfare and police for you. Because I'm not going to overlook it. You are damaging other people's wives. Stay in one relationship. Make it work. There is nothing that cannot work if you put in your best to make it work. Today you are in another relationship. Tomorrow you are jumping another one. Another day you are with another man. Another day you are with another woman. At the end of the day, what happens? You damage your emotions. Mm. Damage yourself. Mm. Damage your love life. Mm. And when you, maybe when you mistakenly catch one man or one woman, you are married. Tomorrow, you're shifting blame. You are, you are so insecure. That's what brings insecurity. Mm. One relationship here. The other one here. The first relationship, the guy cheated on you. The second relationship, the guy uh, slapped you. The third relationship, the guy is stingy. He's not giving you money. The fourth relationship, wow, this guy. Do you know even when we're driving in the car, he's, I'm sitting by him, and then he's turning, looking at another girl. It's a problem. Before you know, you start building insecurity. Even when God bless you with that man that you are meant to be settled with, you will not see the good in that man. All you see is the problem you have seen in other relationships. You bring in those garbages mm. into the new relationship. How can you see clarity and how can you be successful in your relationship? And that is why we always advise one relationship, one man, one woman, one picture. That is what God has for us. That is the plan of God. Praise the Lord. That's powerful.
Praise God. Now, ladies, never, never marry a man who is not kind. And listen very carefully. Unkindness doesn't dissipate with sex. And it doesn't dissipate with a ring. In fact, if you introduce sex or a ring into that relationship, in fact, it will even grow stronger and stronger. Because unkindness is not something you ever need in your relationship. The Bible says, if you are to look for something in a man, it's to look for a man that is kind. And if you're a man in this place, tell yourself, say, I will be kind. You've got to start to develop kindness muscles. The same way you go to the gym and develop all those packs, all those muscles. Develop kindness muscles. Very, very important. Learn to loan your strength. You see that? And you can begin to test your muscles by the weakest people around you. And then you got to check, how do you relate to people? Do you, do you want it to match up to your strength? Or are you ready to loan your strength to them? That's how you begin to tell whether you are kind or not. Praise God. So everybody say, kindness is a decision. Now let's move to the next one. That's number two. So we've seen love is. So love is, love is what? Patient. And love is what? Kind. Everybody say it again. Say love is. Patient. And love is. Kind. Look at that. Next verse. First Corinthians 13 verse 5 now. I, verse 4. No, verse 4. Verse 13 verse 4. All right. Now it says, love does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. Notice he grouped these three envy boast and proud he grouped them together because these are a threesome listen very carefully these three are related to each other now let's talk about envy are you ready for that now now the thing is that envy boasting and pride undermines the foundation of a relationship mm -hmm. for instance success success is a threat how many of you know that once you begin to rise some people begin to envy you because they are wondering, you know, I mean, for instance, you're all guys eating bread together. And all of a sudden, this is your friend. After one year, he just came back and he's driving a car and he's living in the house. And you are still eating bread. There is a possibility that you envy him. Mm -hmm. And have you ever met somebody before that told you, I'm an envious person? Met somebody like that before? You will never meet such a person. You know why? Because you can never see envy in the mirror. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You will never see envy in the mirror. So the thing is that in relationship, people envy each other. For instance, especially men, when a woman begins to succeed or she begins to make more money than them or she begins to get more applause than them, they begin to envy her. They begin to all the same thing for the spouse. But most, most of the time, it has to do with the men because usually, usually the men are the head. Are you following? So they cannot allow, that's why you see some men who like to lock their woman in the house. If you're a man in this place, allow your wife, allow your spouse to fulfill their destiny and purpose. Mm. Is that okay? Because the truth about the matter is that some people are unmarriageable. Marriage is not for everybody. Tell your neighbor, marriage is not for everybody. It is not by force to marry. And listen very carefully. You can still fulfill purpose without marriage. Just like Jeremiah, John. Just like Jesus. Jeremiah. Many in the scriptures. John. So, how can you now marry? Paul was actually married before he divorced. That's under this talk. Yeah. Just imagine <laughs> you married, you married, you married um, the, a child of God, God's own daughter. When she was born in this world, you were not there. Are you following what I'm telling you? Mm -hmm. God gave her a purpose. God gave her a destiny to fulfill. And then you come into her life. And then you end it. They put it. 
you are, you are no different from Lucifer himself, the <laughs> devil. Because marriage is supposed to, um, supposed to amplify each other. That means the Bible says one will chase a thousand. It says two will chase what? Ten thousand. That means when you come into our life, you are supposed to even make her to go times ten. Times ten. So you cage the woman. You lock her up. She tells you she wants to do this. You say, no, you cannot do it. If you remind this place, don't do that. Your wife wants to be a pastor. You say, no, me, I'm not a pastor. I'm not called. You cannot be a pastor. <laughs> Where is this in the scripture? That if the husband is a pastor, if the husband is not a pastor, the wife cannot be a pastor. Who told you your wife cannot be a CEO? And you, you still be working in, fact, in another in company? In fact, in the scripture, in our forefathers, in the scripture of those days, men, women were not honored. Let me say this now. In fact, they did not place honor on women. Just like Mary, Martha, the mother of Jesus, and um, the rest like that. When uh, Mary Magdalene, all of them, when they were preparing and all of that, Martha, Mary, and um, who again, that they were preparing. But when Jesus came, would you know what Jesus did? Because of the ridicules, because of all the things, the way they tried to bring women down, when Jesus came, do you know what Jesus did? He elevated women. Mm. He gave them the same privilege every man can access for a woman to assess during his resurrection. That is why you see today, a woman can actually preach, a woman can do even what a man can do. It's biblical. Now, some of you have, maybe some of you haven't come across that scripture. You know, in, uh, in the days, like, there was a scripture, was it in the book of Genesis we read during the EBS, Abby, that was talking about how they said the women should not prophesy, they should not preach, and all of that. But if you look at the New Testament, you can see that there is a reversal of what Jesus did, and then he gave women power to do even much more. How about it? God created the man, he created the woman, right? Now, if you look at the woman, why did you think that a lot of time you see the women are more contentious with the power of God? That's why you see when a woman pick up um, the ministry to do, she does it well. Am I correct? Yes or no? Anything a man can do, the woman does better. Do you know why? The man is the man. M-A-N. Then God added woman. He modified the, the man. The man was flat. His chest is flat. The back is flat. But what God did was that he saw that, mm, let me modify because this, this man is, is alone and is too boring. Let me add drama to it. <laughs> then he came up, he came up in creating the woman and bring out the front side, shaping it very well, That's right. take the back side, make it figure eight, added more content in the woman and that is why you see if you are a man a woman goes into a relationship a woman goes into sex with a man because she wants love and relationship but a man is not going into love into relationship because of love because he wants to have sex except for those who have clarity that they want to settle and, and that is why you see most women are heartbroken mm. in a relationship because the way men are wired is different from the way women are wired and that that's why you see when you keep women, you keep men. You find out that men, they don't easily fight. Even when they fight, it's easy for them to resolve. Because the way God has wired them, 
their content is of a different part. But the woman is full of fire. The woman is full of content. The woman is full of virtue. And that is why when you keep women together, there must be fight in that place. Because the power is so much that it cannot contain. But when understanding and knowledge and wisdom set in, then you begin to see things working amicably between the women and that's why you see the women fight a lot woman to woman they fight because you, you have fire i carry fire mm. you carry weary i carry weary you, you carry love i carry love you got content i got content you have wisdom i have wisdom so don't be surprised this is the way god has created man powerful. and woman powerful come on come on come on <laughs> now let me say something now, very important. If you find it difficult to publicly celebrate the success of your significant other, mm. it is not your fault. It is not your partner's fault. Mm. For instance, if I find it difficult to celebrate my wife publicly, it is not her fault. If she finds it difficult to celebrate me publicly, it's it not is not my fault. Mm -hmm. It is a envy is a you problem. Mm -hmm. And listen very carefully. Envy, envy did not start in that relationship. Mm. Envy is a problem that you already had before. Then you smuggled it into your relationship. Now you are threatened by the success of your significant other. Mm. You are threatened because they are making progress. You know, I remember then when my wife told me, before we got married, my wife told me that um, God has called her to do things that have to do with relationship and marriage, like what she's doing today. I remember then. She even told me then, she had books she wrote, she wrote, but she can't publish them because she's not yet married. Now, I had two options. I can kill the dream, or I can grow the dream. Do you understand? That's what a man can do. You find women today who have so much, so much that God has put in them, and the man will bottle it, will lock it and cock it inside the Coca-Cola bottle, mm. and dump it in the house. It's not so. God will, see, tell, if you're around the man, tell the man, let your woman shine. Let your woman shine. Tell them again, let your woman shine. And the Bible says, the Bible says that the glory of the man is his wife. So if your wife is shining, what does that say about you? You are shining. Exactly. The woman is carrying your name. Yes. Anywhere they call her name, it's your name they are calling. Mm -hmm. So why are you threatened? You see, it's only insecure men mm. that are threatened by the success of their spouse. Because you already had envy before. You see that? You had envy already in your life. So, somebody said that, if I don't feel good about myself, no, my spouse cannot feel good about themselves. You have a problem. You have an envy problem. You know, you want to say something again? Okay. Um, in addition to okay. what you just yeah, said, no, when we talk about like what he's saying, let me add to it. When you look at the relationship, even look at the marriage, you know, when we talk about relationship, I know you're not yet married, probably you're aspiring to get married. But if you look at the woman, when the woman is married, she carries the name, for example, Jennifer Tosin Komolafe. Now, my former name was Ojo Chenemi Jennifer Achema. Now, I am bearing Jennifer Tosin Komolafe. So all the content that God has created in me, I'm bringing it into the Tosin Komolafe's family. So when I shine, he is the one shining. In fact, they will say, who is the husband of this woman? First and foremost, who is the mother and the father or parent of this 
child. When the parent comes forward, if you're an adult and of a marriageable age, they say, who is the husband of this man? It means you are bringing glory and honor to the man. And that's why the Bible say, um, the, um, God, um, the head of the man is Christ. Why the head of the woman is the man? Yes. So everything, if you're bringing disgrace, that's what I always tell women. Don't ever insult your husband. Useless man. You are incom incompetent, incapable. Mm. You are foolish. It takes a local man. Like there was a day I called, um, I think he, you provoked me. I said, why are you so local like this? Eh? They will not even know that you are very local out there. You just be pushing up like this. And guess what? He did not even answer me. I was even laughing. The guy now said, how why are you laughing like this? I said, do you know even me? So I just asserted myself that I'm a local woman. I'm a local woman because it takes a local woman. <laughs> In fact, he needed to even pack and we both started laughing. Because I don't know if you understand. So why will you say your husband is local when <laughs> you are married to him? So it takes a local man to get attracted to a local woman. And it takes a local woman to get attracted to a local man. <laughs> so that was, I think that was the first week after we got married, right? So <laughs> since then... I readjusted my tongue. Even when he's, he's doing things I don't like, I say, why are you like this? Eh? <laughs> why are you like this? God, it's not easy to live with you. It's not easy to marry you alive. But people will not know how they <laughs> So I'll not tell him that. So if it's not easy to marry him, it means even me too. It's not easy to marry me. <laughs> so what am I trying to say? My point is this. In addition to this, when, you are, when a man allows you to shine, Bring honor to that name. When you carry a man's name, ensure you glorify, you refine, and modify the name to the glory of God. Praise Amen. the Lord. Now, here's some advice. Listen very carefully. Listen very carefully now. Here's some advice. Pay attention to your internal reactions to the success of people around you. When people around you begin to succeed, what is your internal reactions to them? Do you celebrate them or do you talk in a derogatory term about them. That's what will show whether you have envy in your heart. That's how to test your envy level. If your friend is succeeding and you're not happy about it, there's a problem. It will affect your future relationship. Are you seeing that? And you know why many... And listen, the solution to envy is very simple. Publicly and privately celebrate their success. That is the solution to envy. From your heart... If somebody is succeeding, your friend is succeeding, celebrate them. Publicly and what? Privately. Because some people celebrate publicly and talk about them in the private. Some will, some will just keep silent. You cannot be neutral. You must speak. Mm -hmm. You must celebrate them. Mm -hmm. If your friend is succeeding and you are neutral about it, that's envy. That's envy. That silence is envy. Mm -hmm. You cannot keep quiet. You can't, you can't see somebody succeeding and say, I, I won't say anything about it. Mm -mm. You must celebrate them. That's the only way to check your heart that you're not walking in envy. Because if you don't do that, the envy muscles will start to grow in your heart. And when you get into a relationship, when you get into a romantic relationship, it's going to affect that relationship. And do you know why people don't celebrate the success of others publicly? Do you know why? Because of the next thing, pride. Pride. Go ahead. You go ahead. Okay, so um, 
let us not become consecrated, provoking one another, envying one another. That's the book of Galatians chapter 5, verse 26. He said, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. And James also spoke, James 3 verse 14 said, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil things are there. Right? So when we talk about envy, in addition to what our lead pastor said, when we talk about envy, you know, like he said, sometimes uh, when people see that their spouse or their boyfriend or girlfriend, fiancé, fiancé, uh, husband and wife, you know, the other party is you know, growing and making waves. The next thing is you look for a way to provoke the person. Sometimes when they see people excited, even on social media, it happens a lot. When people see that you are doing great, they are your friends. They are seeing everything you are posting. They are benefiting and learning from it. But they will never like. They will never share. They will never comment. But when they go out there, eh? They will look for the story that someone has cooked out there and then they will refurbish it and refine it and spread negativity about your name. It happens even in the relationship, even in the marriage. Sometimes I've sat in a position where um, a, pastor wife, a pastor's wife spoke to me. Everything she said about the husband, there was nothing good about it. And I began to wonder, and you have lived with this man over 12 years of marriage. And you hadn't seen anything good about the man. So that drew that to my attention. And I wanted to know the truth. So I saw the man online. Luckily, he's my follower online. So I, I said hello to him. And he was excited. Oh, thank you. You chatted me that he was afraid of chatting me because, you know, when they see celebrities on social media, they don't, they don't like chatting because even if they drop the chat, you might not respond to them. So he, kept, he just kept his calm. And when I began to engage him in conversation, and I got to find out that the guy actually had his wife at heart. But the wife went to school just as he's a graduate, but she doesn't have what work experience. And the guy is working and bringing things on the table, but the wife is not happy because she feels is the, the, the fortune is meant for her. I know, let me tell you why some of these things we encounter envy in our relationships. You know, temperaments too also act on it. There are some temperaments that are not happy when you start making it, especially when it comes to um, um, choleric and sanguine the extroverts, when you are outshining, they are not always happy because they want to be staged. They want to be the one shining. When you are being applauded, they say, hmm, these people safe. Why are even, why, 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 what are you feeling like? They are giving you prayer to take. They are giving you everything to take. Are you the only one in the church? That is an ill-speaking, envy-speaking. And it happens amongst husbands and wives and in relationships, and this can tear, tear what? It can tear it off. Look at what the scripture said, James 3.14. It said, but if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, you are seeking your own self. Some of you will say, I don't have envy. You, 
innocently you are exhibiting it but you don't know you have them because you can't see in the mirror exactly that so means. that's self-seeking mm. that's what you want is what you want your spouse or your partner in the relationship to exhibit if you are seeing yourself always in that you know um cubicle of always self-seeking know that very soon if you have not started exhibiting envy very soon you will start exhibiting it come to think about it if your partner is excelling you are excelling that's teamwork if your husband or your wife is shining you are the one shining praise the lord hallelujah now this is very critical pride everybody say pride 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 is what keeps us it what keeps our mouth short when our mouth is supposed to be pouring out praises Pride is what will let us not to keep quiet instead of us to celebrate the success of others. So before, listen, if you, are not, if you are not in a relationship yet, right, develop, develop this, develop this principle. When people succeed around you, celebrate it genuinely, publicly and privately. This is how to check your heart against envy. Because nobody will ever come and tell you, mm. I'm an envious person. Mm. Because you cannot see envy in the mirror. But others can see it with your reaction to success. Because success can be threatened. Do you know that? Success can be threatened. You know, for instance, you see a man or a big man. He's a man. That's a big man. The guy is now living in his own house. He's, he's, I don't, he has more money than him. But he's threatened by his success. Hmm. Zach and this gate man start driving car. I say, I will frustrate him. Can you imagine that? That's envy. That's envy. And you've got to deal with these things before you get into any relationship. If you're in a relationship, pause and deal with envy. If not, you're you affecting your life. And you see, so envy, pride, go back to that scripture, envy, um, boast, being boastful and being proudful, they are interrelated. They are interrelated. They, they work together. They work together. Now let's go to the next one. Verse 5. Verse 5. It says, love does not dishonor others. Everybody say love does not dishonor others. Now, honor is a term we don't use that much in our society, in the church like that. Honor is not a term that we are used to. But worse, honor is very dynamic. And most of the time, we don't find illustrations about honor. But honor is a very critical ingredient in your relationship. Listen very carefully. If you find a spouse who is prepared to and committed to honoring you, you are a favored one. You, in fact, you are, you, are a blessed, you are a blessed person. If you find a man or a woman who is ready to honor you, in that they are prepared to and committed to doing it, you are a blessed person. You know why? Because honor is the foundation of any satisfying relationship. Now, the, 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 the funny part about honor is that every one of us know how to honor people. Let me, let me give you, let's do a practical story. Imagine if your favorite artist or your favorite person or your favorite cook, or favorite somebody, somebody that you esteem so highly, anyway, comes and tells you, I'm coming to have dinner in your house. Now somebody say, well, Pastor, may I don't have any favorites. Okay, among the favorites you have, just pick one of them. Maybe a favorite footballer, or a favorite singer, or a favorite pastor, or a favorite anybody. A minor person comes to your house. What do you do? What do you do? You, the way you will prepare for that person. Even, even if the person say, I'm coming to your house by 8 p.m. And they came 9, 9 p.m. You will not say, why are you coming late? You will not do, not even try it. 
you will say, ah, thank you, sir, for coming. I'm really honored to have you in my house. Are you seeing that? The person coming to your house, you, you look for the best plate in your house. You cook the best food to your best ability. When the person is talking, your ears are open. You are asking questions. You are listening. You don't even have anything to contribute. Your own is just to pay attention to them. That's what honor is. At that point in time, it's not you that is important. It's them that is important. That's, That's what honor is. Imagine if the guy and the lady, both of them will honor them, themselves like this. They are going to have a satisfying relationship. But now, when it comes to the society, there is this belief that, you know, the men will like, see this girl. She's so disrespectful. She doesn't even have courtesy. She doesn't have character. So the question is, is honor meant for only the men or is for both parties? For both parties. Because um, making your best effort to bring the best version of you is honor. And now, let me tell you something. Let me add to what Pastor Tosin has said. For those of you that are very good at gifting couple, only one person, learn to stop it. Do you understand? It's wrong. If I'm not ready to gift Pastor Steve and his wife, I don't gift only Pastor Steve. If I'm not ready to gift you and your fiancé, I will not gift either of you. Learn to gift the both so you won't create space for issues. I have been in a scenario where a woman, a man was gifted and the woman was not gifted. And it brings chaos. It brought chaos in that, in, that, in that setting. That was in the year 2015, in my office, and which led to their divorce. And I learned seriously from that when you're gifting a man or you're gifting a woman, learn to do it together. And if you don't do it together, let me tell you, it's either both of them will have issues or you will have issues with them. Because any day, anything favor comes and the husband wants to do it for you, she will block it. Or you gift the wife and you sideline the husband, she will, he will block it. But you don't know why. And that is why they will always say that. Do you know why I'm saying this? In the place of honor, when you want to honor people or as a spouse, you want to honor a spouse, ensure you honor them together. Same way as a husband and as a wife should honor the wife. The husband should honor the wife and the wife should what? Honor the husband. And when you begin to do this, you find out that, you know, at the point... You begin to understand yourselves. You begin to, you know, respect. You begin to bet respect for one another. Like people will always say, respect is end. Right? But do you know that respect is not to be earned? To counterfeit that. Honor is not meant to be earned. It's a gift. Trust is a gift. Some people say trust is to be earned. Trust is not meant to be earned. Honor is not meant to be earned. Respect is not meant to be earned. All these are packaged to be gifted to someone. When you convert the attitude of honoring people and respecting people, regardless of what they do to you, I'm telling you, you, you begin to accelerate. That's how it works. So in your relationships and marriage, convert the attitude of trust, honor, Respect, even when there are situations that does not even warrant those things 
to be given to your partner. Praise the Lord. Praise God. And lastly, honor. Honor is a decision. Honor is a choice. Are you hear what I'm saying? Honor is a decision and honor is a choice. Now, let me give you a good example again. How many of you have a very prized possession? Maybe a phone, a jewelry, a car, a house. How many of you have something like, you have something like that? Now, if there was fire in your house, for instance, now, what is that first thing you will go for? That's the thing that you prize the most, right? Why? Because you place, see, so something that honor does, honor is also protective. Love, it protects. We protect the things that are important to us. Are you seeing that? So if I honor you, I will protect you. That is what honor is. I will protect you. Even if there's an error, even if something is going wrong, I'll still protect you. That's but that's what love does. Mm -hmm. Love honors. Love and listen, honor is not on a single day. Honor is not a special day. You know, for, for instance, most of you, on your first date, you knew how to honor the other Yourselves. person, right? <laughs> you honor the person so much. You even pull the chair for the person to sit down. You even open the car for the person to the enter. You carry the person's bag. You honor the person so much. <laughs> then after two weeks, carry your thing yourself now. Things have changed. Honor is every day. Tell your neighbor, honor is every day. Honor is every day. Tell them again, honor is every day. Honor is every day. Say it one more time. Say, honor is every day. Honor is every so day. So mutual honor will create um, a culture of respect mm. that makes it easy for one another to believe the best for themselves. You see that? Because love is a verb. If we're going to enjoy our relationship together, we must honor one another. That's the only way it's going to work. I must honor you. You must honor me. That's how it works. You don't honor each other, it's going to tear you apart. Praise God. We are out of time, but we are not out of message. So, we're going to continue from this um, scripture next week Sunday. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And I was told, I was told today that we still have two more Sundays in this month. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. So, on the last Sunday of this month, we're going to take question and answer. So, if you have questions and answer, you can write them down. That Sunday is going to be just for that. 